0: chapter thirteen of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain the sixth dagger it was plain that mrs singleton was in a fever of unrest she went to and fro between miss dorincourt's sitting-room and bedroom doing a dozen things which did not need the doing she was all eyes and ears every sound real or imaginary seemed to make her start now and then stealing softly to the door she stood peering anxiously out into the passage as if waiting and watching for someone who did not who would not come then returning into the room she stood wringing her hands her sweet old face all troubled and disturbed her whole frame shaken by some overmastering emotion i wonder if i'm a wicked woman i wonder if i am i did it for the best the position was so hard all had to be done in an instant there was no time to think just at the instant it seemed so providential if i have done wrong god knows i did it for the best Someone came into the room she turned with a little scream it was her husband she hastened to him with a cry of welcome the whole expression of her face a vivid note of interrogation charles have you found her is she coming is she here where is she charles her questions tumbled over each other's heels he shook his head she was quick to note the air of depression which marked his entire bearing her voice sank to a whisper charles don't tell me you-you haven't found her but i haven't not a trace of her it seems that i have been on a false scent all through but charles where can she be what shall we do he waved his hands in the air one could see as he did so how they trembled as for where she is i haven't the faintest notion i-i'm half afraid to think charles as for what we are about to do i'm beginning to fear that we've done more than enough already i wish i'd never set eyes upon that girl upon miss orme she's in the music-room the earl is plighting his troth to her i knew it a pretty state of things this a nice trick we've played on the earl and on the family if anything has happened to miss maud we've made bad worse if the truth does come out i wonder what'll take place then but what can have happened it's only some freak of miss maud's she'll be back directly you know how sensitive i've always been to her presence well i feel her now that she's close by that she's in the air i'm sure of it i shouldn't be surprised at any moment to see her walk into the room when she does come back she'll know we've done it for the best for her sake and-and you'll find that she'll be perfectly contented with everything we've done in spite of her ardent desire to speak with perfect confidence there crept into her voice a quaver of doubt which rather diminished the effect she intended to produce her husband plainly insufficiently impressed by her attempt at assurance stood rubbing his chin with dubious hand his honest countenance a chaos of uncertainty i'm sure i hope she will you hope who will what in that hopeless tone of voice my singleton husband and wife seemed to jump nearly out of their shoes as they turned to find mr reginald Fanshawe regarding them from the open doorway their conspicuous discomfiture seemed to afford him much amusement really if i did not know you to be the respectable mr and mrs singleton i should have taken you to be conspirators of the deepest dye you look the parts upon my honour he closed the door behind him as he came into the room pray what gunpowder treason and plot are you engaged upon husband and wife eyed each other both were tongue-tied mr fanshawe smilingly stroked his flowing moustache with the long thin fingers of a well-shaped hand must i put you to the torture or will you unburden your conscience without compelling me to every course to the question for once in a way the man regained the use of his tongue quicker than the woman the truth is sir i've received some bad news about-about a relation and i-i was just speaking about it to my wife when you came in mr singleton an unpractised liar lied with difficulty which the handsome gentleman himself a finer practitioner of the gentle art was not slow at perceiving was the relation in question your mother or your mother's mother or your mother's mother's mother mr singleton coughed discreetly well sir it's-it's not exactly a relation it's more of a kind of a-a connection sir i see it's more a kind of a connection is it the policeman who locked up your great aunt's second cousin's brother-in-law's grandmother for telling stories i presume i understand you perfectly and am sorry to find you addicted to falsehood mr singleton you may go opening the door mr fanshawe bowed the discomfited singleton through it as if the shamefaced old servant had been some person of high degree when however mrs singleton showed symptoms of following in her husband's footsteps he shut it in her face not quite so quickly mrs singleton if you please there are one or two inquiries which i should rather like to make of you i take it for granted that you never vary from the truth like he concluded his sentence by a movement of his thumb towards the door at which insinuation the old lady promptly bridled i'm sure my husband is as truthful a person as there is upon this earth and is well known to be such we all of us tell stories now and then sir that's true even i yes sir even you he laughed How fine find you have always been of me the pursing of her lips and the stiffness of her bearing did not suggest undue affection Now, if you'd only been as fond of maud by the way where is maud i'm sure i don't know where miss maud is sir i only know that she is not here just now is that all you know indeed i wonder she moved towards the door will you be so good as to let me pass sir i expect miss maud back every moment and there is something i must do before she comes he showed no sign of budging from where he stood what little game are you up to little game sir what do you mean you know very well what i mean what little game are you up to that sort of thing is more in your way than mine sir i'm told that only yesterday you tried to do my young lady a mischief and your own brother too my dear mrs singleton that was the purest accident i had something in my pocket by accident which i left behind by accident and if it made a fuss by accident no one was hurt so there is no one to blame it is no business of mine sir i only say what i have been told and that is not what i have been told will you let me pass or must i ring the bell sir he thrust his hands into his trouser pockets a subtle change took place in the expression of his face which altered it unpleasantly he addressed her with a cool insolence which seemed to suit him better than the tone of studious politeness which he had hitherto employed come you old idiot you don't suppose you can play the fool with me who's that girl out there girl out there what girl the girl who's pretending to be Maud dorncourt pretending to be mr reginald what do you mean he eyed her with scornful approbation pun my honour i believe you're a smarter old tabby than i took you for you've taken them in out there you and she between you but there's one person you can't take in and that's me would you mind telling me what you're talking about mr reginald when you try to play the innocent like that and pretend to take me for as big a fool as you are yourself i feel more than half inclined to batter your head against the wall my ancient singleton you had better batter it perhaps i may be for i've done there's still time a little banging might do it good understand me at present my intention's friendly indeed i'm more than half disposed to come in and take a hand myself at the little game you're playing it would amuse me very much to see stains tricked but i should make it a condition of my association that you should let me know what cards you're holding mrs singleton made a little movement with her shoulders she folded her hand resignedly in front of her you are so much cleverer than i am mr reginald you forget i am such a very stupid person i don't in the least know what it is you're talking about perhaps if you will tell miss maud when she comes she will understand you better miss maud there was in his utterance of the name a wealth of contempt which she suffered to go unheeded yes miss maud and dearest miss maud sir as the door opened mr fanshawe wheeled round to find Madeline confronting him mrs singleton welcomed her advent with evident anxiety which the gentleman had he not turned his back on her would have instantly detected and probably have done his best to score off the old lady's fingers fidgeted nervously with their gown she looked up at madeline with affrighted eyes there was a little stammer in her voice mr reginald was just speaking of you miss maud she emphasized the maud though ever so slightly it is possible that she intended to convey a hint if so it was unnecessary the new-comer was equal to the situation on the instant she came into the room without a word of greeting then facing him with a self-possession which was almost insolent she met his eyes mr reginald does me too much honour then in the same breath turning to mrs singleton she presented her back to mr reginald well singleton i'm here again the folks have all gone you do it very well the words came satirically accented from behind she was content to glance over her shoulder towards the speaker are you still there please go after having enjoyed the favor of your attention for half a dozen seconds miss pray what shall i call you she turned to him again sweeping her skirts about her with a little twirl she met his smiling eyes with a smile in hers giving him back something more than scorn for scorn had he been some loathsome thing she could hardly have addressed him with greater contempt have nothing to say to you i wish you to have nothing to say to me simply go that would be convenient to you no doubt it would hardly be so agreeable to me i'm afraid i must have some sort of explanation with you before i do go miss really i wish you would let me know what i ought to call you madeline continued for some moments to meet her unwelcome visitors glances without showing the faintest symptom of discomposure then completely calm she turned to the anxious woman at her back mrs singleton be so good as to ring the bell just at that moment some one was heard approaching along the corridor stay it may not be necessary the earl of staines appeared at the door conrad i'm afraid your brother must have misunderstood me i've asked him more than once to leave my room but he still remains there was silence the two brothers faced each other Reginald, looking all the better because of the glitter which gave light and fire to his usually expressionless blue eyes the earl's sallow face was a shade darker his square jaw seemed squarer his lips were drawn so close together they seemed unpleasantly thin his tone was icy cold he moved aside as if to make room for the other's passage you here go there are one or two matters on which i should like to have a settlement with you at the earliest possible moment this moment is hardly convenient my dear Staines. why do you speak to me in that exceedingly acidulated fashion as if you were endeavouring to cultivate a snuffle i assure you there is no point on which i wish to have a settlement with you so far as a settlement is concerned i really think i am content to leave you in this lady's hands long before she's done with you i am persuaded that for all old scores i shall be able to give you acquittance in full i am inclined to suspect that she's almost a match for me and i'm sure that she's much more than a match for you good-bye you turtle-doves with a playful wagging of his hand mr reginald took himself away his face all wreathed in smiles so soon as he was gone his brother shut the door then crossed towards madeline was he rude to you she made a little wry face raising her eyebrows daintily he might have been if you hadn't come you just came in time he turned to mrs singleton well you know what has happened have you no congratulations to offer us my future wife and i instantly the old lady was all of a fidget i'm sure i wish you well your lordship knows i wish you well he seemed to notice nothing peculiar about her manner though she could hardly have shown greater signs of disturbance had she been persuaded that with him all would go ill he held out his hand to her she yielding him hers in return after a marked period of hesitation i do know you wish me well i am quite sure of it and you are on safe ground in doing so for something seems to tell me that all is going to be well i thank you mrs singleton for all you have done to maud in the past and i hope and i believe that you will be the same true and constant friend to her in the time which is to come the old lady curtseyed almost to the ground she applied her handkerchief to her eyes she struggled as if to speak exhibiting all the signs of mental agitation and distress he turned to madeline probably mistaking the ground of her confusion is there anything for which you need detain mrs singleton no as Madeline caught the dame's agitated glances something which was demurely malicious came into her tone and bearing just at this moment i don't think there is anything for which she need allow herself to be detained the old lady began to stutter and stammer are you-are you quite sure my dear don't you think that perhaps you'd better avail yourself of this opportunity to to Madeline, cut her remorselessly short no i don't i don't think anything at all and i'm sure you needn't wait still the old lady seemed to hesitate until the earl crossed the room allow me mrs singleton to open the door for you then in a sudden access of confusion gathering her skirts about her she scurried like a frightened hen through the door which the earl held open he closed it after her with a little laugh mrs singleton seems to be hardly her usual tranquil-minded and motherly self she doesn't does she and you how do you feel i i feel as if i were in a dream from which i fear to be awakened what sort of a dream a happy one yes a happy one i am glad it is a happy one but why should it be like a dream at all it's real enough am i not sufficiently substantial and why should you fear to be awakened what cause is there for fear in my experience of life there's always cause for fear the future has in its hands the promise of fearful things my dear you mustn't talk like that now it cuts me to the heart he was leaning against the table by which she was standing she had picked up a curious-looking dagger apparently of eastern manufacture which she was twisting about in her fingers her eyes possibly unwittingly were looking down at the glittering blade while his with complete consciousness were fixed upon her features Maud. well there's something which i wish to say to you which i'll have to ask you to forgive me say that you'll forgive me anything yes i will i'll forgive you anything as she said this there was an odd note in her voice almost like an exulting ring which seemed to set his pulses quivering he put out his hand and touched her softly on the arm my love he said and then was for a moment still again what i wish to say to you for which i crave forgiveness in advance is this do you know how much you've changed changed she bent her head still lower how have i changed how that is just the marvel i cannot tell you in so many different ways physically do you mean no not physically and yet i'm not sure i do not know if my eyes are playing me a trick i have been asking myself the question but in some strange inscrutable indefinable fashion you have changed physically even how you have grown he tightened his grasp upon her arm we understand each other now so i may say these sort of things without rebuke you have grown so much more lovely do you think so i am sure of it physically mentally morally at every point you're lovelier do you remember how untender you used to be did i used to be untender did you it is possible you don't remember never was a woman so transformed during the passage of a single night i am another woman you are indeed and for once in a way i prefer the new woman to the old the old was true the new is false lift up your eyes look with them into mine she did as he bade her fixing her great violet orbs upon his more commonplace dark ones in hers there was a light a glow a brightness and yet withal a softness too which endowed them with a beauty which was marvellous it was as if he could not see enough of them as if they conveyed to him a sense of ecstasy to which he was unwilling to put a period sweeter eyes were never seen he whispered nor truer is it possible that a woman with such eyes as those is false i think not at least i think she will be true enough for me i would like there was a little break in her voice to be true to you you would like he laughed you shall be can't you be i would like to be again there was that break oh i would like to be putting his arms about her he drew her closer to him till their faces almost touched i love you do you love me i do with all my heart and soul there is nothing i will not do for love of you if god will give me strength their lips met suddenly with a little exclamation he unloosed his hold why you are still holding that dagger do you know you've pricked me with it lady mine by some mischance the point of the dagger which she had put behind her when he took her in his embrace had touched the back of his hand the blood was flowing freely she went all white did i do that i am so sorry it's nothing don't look so concerned it's only a scratch only i do wish that in the matter of playthings your taste wasn't quite so bizarre why for instance you should insist on using that as a paper knife merely because of its being responsible for the deaths of a wagon-load of men women and children is beyond my comprehension what do you mean has this has this killed any one she was holding out the dagger at arm's length in front of her as if the thing were leprous he looked up at her with a glance of surprise of course it has you don't mean to say that you've forgotten why that's the pretty bodkin that a sick trooper ran amuck with at allahabad pinking every one he came across and when he was cornered himself as well by way of a pleasant finish it's odd you should have forgotten considering how you begged it of colonel dauncey as a memento as you put it of a lively five minutes she replaced the weapon on the table with a gesture of shuddering aversion i-i'll go and look for something in the other room with which to find your hand i shan't be long she flitted across the floor into the bedroom beyond he looking after her as if taken aback how very odd what's the matter with her she put it down as if it were something of horror of whose history until that moment she had not the faintest notion and i remember how she worried dauncey into giving it her which i believe he did do just as it was drawn from the unfortunate wretch's body anyhow i know she stipulated that it shouldn't be cleaned or anything and i wouldn't be surprised if the blood-stains are on it to this hour why more than once she's threatened to stick it into me and give the blade another coating as he spoke the door into the corridor was opened and a girl came in he turned to her hallo you've come back that way have you i was just wondering if you'd allow me to dispose of that sick chap's dagger and half a dozen trophies of a similar kind which you possess as i might see fit would it be to ask too much of you just at that moment the bedroom door was opened Madeline, about to hasten out hearing him speak glancing about to see whom it was he was addressing saw maud standing at the other door for an instant she was so taken by surprise that she stood as if rooted to the ground then with a tremulous movement she drew back into the room but no sooner had she withdrawn than impressed by a vague suspicion that there had been something singular in maud's bearing and that her appearance on the scene at such a moment was altogether inexplicable urged by an instinct which she could not have diagnosed she reopened the door an inch or two and so remained an unseen witness of all that followed it was plain the earl had not the least idea of the substitution that had taken place when maud received his remarks with perfect silence he looked at her as if surprised and noticed that as he supposed she had on a different frock to the one she had just been wearing but even that only moved him to comment on the rapidity with which she had made the alteration why you've changed your frock how quick you've been that shows what you can do when you like on a future occasion when you take three-quarters of an hour to arrange a hat-pin i'll quote that frock against you see what a weapon you've put into my hands but talking of weapons won't you present me with that collection of horrid trifles which you have hoarded i believe out of pure perversity and permit me to signalize our betrothal by giving them the coup de grace they so richly merit i am bound to assert that in my judgment they are hardly the sort of things one would care to live with come lady what do you say the lady in question said nothing she stayed for a moment at the open door in an attitude suggesting a curiously statuesque rigidity then without a word she advanced towards him in an odd jerky undulatory fashion as if her movements were automatic and her limbs actuated by springs as she came he did perceive that there was something singular in her appearance maud what is the matter with you why do you look at me like that maud tell me what is wrong she did not tell him she told him nothing she moved towards him with her strangely distorted features and the whites of her eyes all showing and then straight past to where the dagger was lying on the table she took it up then turned again to him he held out his hand as if supposing that she intended to accede to his request and entrust it to his keeping come that's right give it to me such a gruesome relic will be better in my charge than in yours but when he saw the way in which she looked at him or rather the way in which she did not look at him but stared right past him with dreadful glassy eyes he fell back a step Maud, what has come to you all in an instant what is wrong Maud? that was the last word he spoke and that was a cry of love she stuck the dagger once the property of that homicidal suicidal sick trooper into his side and without a groan he fell to the floor End of chapter thirteen